Thank you for tuning in. This is The Recap with Rob. Let's do this. This is a segment off of the Popcorn and Pop Culture Podcast. My name is Robert Dang. I'm your host for this episode. For this episode, I'm going to be talking about three things. That's trace things. Numero uno. I'm going to talk about, review, and recap Mudbound, a Netflix movie. Number two, I'm going to be talking about The Good Place, NBC comedy. And finally, number three, I just watched The Babadook. Have you ever seen it? Tune in. I'm going to talk about it. All right, let's do this. So, number one, Mudbound. Have you seen this movie being distributed by Netflix? Uh, it was a movie that was an absolute smash hit at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. And Netflix, I believe, paid upwards to $12.5 million to acquire the distribution rights for this film. This is a D. Reese film. She adapted this film from a Hillary Jordan novel about two families living in the 1940s during and after the World War II in southern Mississippi. Alright, this is a good film. I'm just going to say it right here. Good film. I'm not going to spoil it, so if you haven't seen it, don't worry. I'm not going to say anything that gives away the ending or any big plot points, but this is a really, really solid film. There are... Moments of violence, there are moments that are very difficult to watch. So, uh, you know, just bear that in mind if you're a person that, you know, doesn't particularly enjoy that sort of thing. It might not be exactly for you or you just might not enjoy it as much as others. But I want to just say it's an important film to watch. It's really, really important. Obviously, the main theme of this film is racism. And it's racism in the 1940s. South America, well, not South America, but Southern America, United States. And yeah, it's a it's a tough film, but it's an important film because I truly believe that it's these type of films that keep on continuing the conversation about racism and segregation and how how that is still evident today in our modern society sure we've made great great strides from where it used to be in the past but there are there, there there's just miles and miles and miles to go until things are considered fair at least in my opinion and movies like this is just one way to keep the conversation going, to keep the discussion going, so we can we can make changes, we can discuss these issues and these topics with our friends and family and politicians and everyone. So that being said, it's a really, really good movie because of the plot. The plot is very, very well-rounded, well-constructed. It tells both sides of the coin very, very, very interestingly. Um, so our two families we have are the McCallans, and they are the Caucasians moving into uh, this farmland of Mississippi. And the Jacksons, who already live here, they have been uh, living here for generations. And Hap Jackson is the tenant farmer that is, you know, working on the land with his family, with his wife, and they're just making a living for themselves. And they know 
the ins and outs of farming in the land because they've been here for a while. You have the McAllens that just move in because, um, you know, they, they want to start a life here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Henry McAllen is the, the main character, at least the father figure here, played by Jason Clark. And for whatever reason, I don't remember, He want, his dream is to own farmland and to basically, you know, be a farmer. So he moves his wife, Laura, played by the wonderful Carrie Mulligan, to this land. And it's not exactly as dreamy as he imagined. And he really does depend on the Jacksons for a lot of things. But there's also a subplot line that plays to probably be the most important, you know, the most important rising actions throughout this film is how Henry's brother, Jamie, and Hap Jackson's son, Ron Zell, they both go to fight off into, they go, they, they both fight in World War II. Separately, of course, they don't know each other. Uh, Jamie becomes a, uh, a flight captain while Ron Zell is a sergeant. And, you know, things are different. Things are different overseas. Things are different, at, you know, in war. And when they come back, and they both come back, that's not a spoiler, they both come back from the war, they, they just change, you know, war changes you. So it does a really good job talking about how the trauma of war changes you as a person, changes you in your beliefs, and the way you present yourself, and the way you interact with other people. Because, you know, Jamie comes back with... A, really big you know a big problem with PTSD and he's developed a drinking problem while Ronzel is back and he is just he can't believe the 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 huge difference of respect that he is paid as a soldier overseas in Europe and the fact that he he has fought in the war and he's defended the United States of America, his country, and yet when he comes back to Mississippi, he is still treated with such violent racial slurs and just he, he's treated like a second class citizen. And where is the justice in that? How is that fair? If anything, he is a veteran of war, and he should be on top of that totem pole, but that's not the way that they treat him. So I really, really enjoyed this movie because I think the characters are very well fleshed out. Other than one truly cartoonish character that is purely one-dimensional, I think most of the other characters throughout the film are very, very well fleshed out. And you don't exactly... Other than that one character, you know, you kind of, you feel for almost all of them at different moments throughout the film. You also get angry at practically all of them in different moments of the film. And I think that's really important because these are very human traits. You know, you're never going to be perfect and you're never going to be one-sided. You're always going to have your motivations and inspirations to do or say certain things. Um, that being said, there are characters that I enjoyed more than others, but as for acting performances, I think Carrie Mulligan did an absolute fantastic job here. Um, I remember her from An Education, and even movies like, you know, Never Let Me Go, but here, Carrie Mulligan as Laura, um, the, um, the wife, 
the mother of the two children, the two daughters, living with, you know, a very difficult husband, and she is, she is so pure and good-hearted, and she's just, like, living in the wrong era, in the wrong area, it's like, <laughs> she's good, and she, she, she respects people for being human, doesn't, and, but she lives with Henry, who isn't exactly a racist, but what this movie does truly, truly, and it, it, it truly captures this very, very well, is the subtle way you can be racist, and the way that Henry treats the Jacksons, he treats them fairly, he treats them with respect, um, he understands that they are great workers, and that they, they you know, you know, Henry and Laura, you know, he's like, you know, they are very, very happy that, to have the Jacksons on their land to help them out because they know the land better than they do and they owe that to them. But Henry still, there are just these subtle, these subtle aspects of racism in Henry and the way he treats the Jacksons that you're like, damn, you know, like he's a good guy, but he's pretty racist here because he, it's just that he expects the Jacksons to always do things for them like he almost like he owns them and you know slavery is abolished there there's no more slavery here but the jacksons are and you know especially half they're still treated like they have to do whatever the white folk tell them to do so i don't know it, it was really really the movie's a little long it's over two hours it's a little lengthy but there's only a very few moments where it drags. I think the movie is paced very well. There's a lot of stories to tell. There's a lot of perspectives. Um, and yeah, so like I said, Carrie Mulligan, great performance. Even, um, you know, Mary J. Blige gave a great performance in this movie too as Hap's wife. And she kind of just like, she has this transformation in this movie where I didn't even realize it was her. And she she definitely killed it. She definitely gave a great performance, and, you know, I didn't know this was something that she could do well, acting. And there's another actor, Garrett Hedlund, who played Jamie in this movie, which I thought he was very, very good. He played a very charismatic character. He was one that I think all viewers can really, like, get behind and like, and he's the one we're rooting for. Um, but overall, Mudbound is a great movie. I recommend this highly to everyone. Um, like I said, it's going to be, there are some difficult scenes, and there's going to be places where, you know, you might cover your eyes a bit. There are some really, really violent actions throughout the film, but rightfully so. I mean, 12 Years a Slave was a movie that tackled upon lots of these type of issues as well. It ended up winning the Oscar for Best Picture, so everyone is kind of throwing those comparisons into place. And I would say Mudbound isn't too far from being a Best Picture nomination. The only thing that I really feel like it's holding it's holding Mudbound back is that it is it, it was it was basically purchased by Netflix to distribute. And what Netflix does, they don't really do the whole Amazon Studios thing where you know, they don't give a movie its rightful theatrical release. They release the movie limited in theaters for a week and simultaneously release it on Netflix. So all the subscribers in Netflix can just watch 
were able to watch Mudbound the day it was released in theaters. And so I watched it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I can't help to thinking that, like, man, I really wish I saw this movie in theaters. But why would I go out and pay, what is it, $12, $13, $14 to watch this movie in theaters when I already pay for a subscription to Netflix and I have access to high-definition video of the same exact movie? So... I don't know. There might Academy voters. I feel like Academy voters are going to be rigidly against the platform that Netflix is, you know, showcasing their films. Even though Mudbound, in my opinion, is certainly an Academy Award worthy picture, I just don't know if it's going to get the attention. So we will see how that plays out as the award season goes forth. But thumbs up to Mudbound. I think I would give it, you know, a 9 out of 10, maybe maybe 8 and 3 quarters, 9 out of 10. It, it was really, really solid. One of the, definitely a top 10 film that I've seen so far this year. So that's my recommendation. Next, I'm going to be talking about The Good Place. So if you haven't seen The Good Place or you're not caught up with it, it's during, <clears throat> excuse me, right now we're in the season two halfway hiatus mark. So if you're not caught up to the halfway mark of season two, maybe, you know, skip this part because I'm going to be discussing some major plot points that happened so far in season two. And uh, yeah, so, all right, that was enough time to press pause, right? <laughs> the Good Place. I've expressed to everyone how much I love this show. I love, love, love this show. I love you know, Kristen Bell in this movie. I mean, not movie, in this show, because she is just always right on the money with everything that she does. And her interactions with Ted Danson are, are just spot on. And it, the show is truly, truly funny. And it's such a serialized comedy for a half hour, you know, 21, 22 minutes without commercials. I, I didn't I didn't think a, a show like this was possible and the big big reveal at the end of season one Still blows my mind and it's still like something that I think about to this day I'm like wow. I'm, I don't think I've seen a better season one finale than that But it really did right, you know, it raised questions. How are they going to do season two? How are they going to top themselves? Are they going to try to trick us again with a major twist in the plot um, Michael Schur and his writing team have done a marvelous job at crafting a season two, which is all, it's so different from season one, but it's so successful and it hits, it still hits all the great points that make it a worthwhile show to watch. It's just, you know, they kind of flipped it upside down and I kind of knew going ahead I'm like, how are they going to do season two? And I was just thinking they have to make Michael's character one of the main characters in the show now because he, it's almost like his undoing. He as this, you know, bad place architect trying this trial version of, you know, torture and hell for these four humans that just died. He, um, yeah, he failed and he failed again and he's failed hundreds of times. But he's doing this and he's putting his own ass on the line because he's lying to Sean about how well his plan is going. And I like that because finally 
the other people start to rebel against him and he is now in a position that he has teamed with the the four humans to fake that they're being tortured but at the same time figure out a way that they can surpass everything and i'm not sure exactly how that's going to work out which is fun and exciting because i don't like to i don't like it when i'm watching a show that's too predictable um and miraculously the show is still so incredibly funny i'm gonna say that this is one of the shows that like you can really just take a snapshot out of most scenes and the attention to detail with its jokes on the show is incredible i'm th I'm, I'm thinking about like I don't know why I keep on bringing Lost back into this equation, but I'm thinking back to I'm thinking back to when Lost was on the air and it was such a scrutinized show and they put a lot of they put a lot of thought into everything from what the characters were saying and reading and and just wearing and every little 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 detail about that show was scrutinized and it always had some type of meaning. The, the, the Good Place does the exact same thing, but it does it in a, in, in a humorous way where, I mean, there's, there, there's, there's, um, there's like these scenes, there's a scene where Chidi grades papers um, and gives it back to, <clears throat> gives it back to the students that he is teaching, teaching ethics to. And I saw this online and it was hilarious because I forget who posted it, but Basically, the characters and the the responses that Chidi wrote on all their papers, what grades they got, and how each character wrote that that paper for their uh, assignment was just so spot on with the characters. Again, like just going above and beyond, paying attention and, and just giving such crazy detail to these things blows my mind anyway i'm getting i'm getting way off track the good place is such a good show i recommend it to everyone and if you're caught up like i am it's exciting we had this janet and derek type of relationship for a couple episodes which was hilarious by the way but now that derek is done with janet is such a wild card character right now because she is like like they said the most evolved janet ever because she's been rebooted so many times. She is she is slowly turning human, which is crazy. And the idea of that is so fascinating because in the same exact way, Michael is slowly becoming more human. You know, he is a demon, Janet is a robot, and yet spending so many time so much time and so many reboots with these four human characters. And the way that they interact with each other, every, Michael and Janet are becoming more human by every single day. And that is awesome if that is the series-long story arc that we're going to be venturing into. Um, in addition to that, <clears throat> I really liked the bit towards the end of um, you know the last episode before the hiatus where Michael admits to Eleanor and he's just like, listen, the whole point of me doing this torture to you guys was under my assumption that you would always give up when things got too tough, but you never stopped trying to become a better person. And of course she, you know, attributes that success to Chidi and how he never 
was unwilling to try and change her into a better person, even though he's putting his ass on the line every single time. So just, there's, su there's such great, great feelings from the show that just watching it, I feel like it's just making me a better human, you know? And at the same time, there are such laugh out loud jokes almost every single minute. It is by far one of my favorite shows on the air at this moment, and I cannot recommend the show enough. Um, yeah, so I will go into that a little bit later on. I'm going to take a short break right now, and then I'm going to come back and talk about uh, the movie that I just recently watched, which was The Babadook. All right, I'm back. I'll try, I'll try not to waste any more of your time. I'll give a quick little recap and review of this film that I watched. The Babadook is a, four, a 2014 Australian psychological horror film. That sounds exciting, right? I've heard really good things about this movie, and I don't love horror movies, but around, around Halloween time, October, is when I really get excited to watch horror movies. So... I think after this movie came out, I was like, okay, next year, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to save this movie. I'm going to watch it during Halloween time because that's when I'm really excited to watch a horror movie. And then 2015, went and passed, didn't watch it. 16, went and passed, didn't watch it. 17, went and passed. Honestly, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it during Halloween time. But after Thanksgiving, me, uh, brother-in-law and wifey, we were like, let's watch a movie. And we're like, let's watch a horror movie. So I'm just like, oh man, I want, I've been meaning to watch this movie. I was hyping it up. I understood that, like, you know, a lot of my friends liked this movie. They told me to watch it. And I remember that it had a, a great Rotten Tomato score. So I'm like, this movie's going to be awesome. And I'm expecting the most out of it. We watched it. And not going to lie, I was very sorely disappointed by The Babadook. I don't know what the hype is about. I understand why people like it, I guess, or people, at least critics, uh, praised it. Because I, I like that it was a, a low-budget film that had a lot of, let's just say, like, realism to this supernatural horror movie. There were certainly some creepy moments, and there were certainly some decent scares, but overall, I, I wasn't that frightened at any moment during this movie and when I watch a horror movie I want to at least feel some tension I want to at least be like oh my god what's going to happen next I'm about to get scared like I love those horror movies when you know that a scare is coming and still you're like I'm still gonna jump <laughs> like I love that or just like or just like you're watching because you're watching a scare and a lot of times the directors and the way they, they they frame these things it's just like the mood then the music comes on and then like that mirror keeps opening and closing and you're like something's gonna jump out of there or I'm gonna see something that I don't want to see and then half the time it's like a fake out like oh nothing happened it was just my roommate all along or then finally something so terrifyingly jumps out at you you're like wow that was awesome like that, that's that's what I like in horror movies I got none of that with the Babadook the the scariest part of this movie was the the children's book that was written and Reading this, ch this children's book was, I mean, that was really creepy to have a, ch a children's book like this. And um, 
just like the, uh, the the illustrations of it and how really really terrifyingly um, evil this book was but I mean I don't know I wasn't scared like I I liked the aspects of the son to mother relationship I liked how they were dealing with grief from the death of you know her husband who died you know while driving her to the hospital like these are some really really cool not cool but like really really well thought out traits for this story and for these characters and i think the the movie was well acted i think the movie was well written it just wasn't scary and i didn't think that the the the, the villain or the demon or the the whatever he became a like okay if you haven't seen it then like you know time out but this movie's been out for a while and you if you probably haven't seen it by now you're not gonna Especially after I'm talking about this, right? Because my opinion is so valuable. Wink. Um, but no, I was surprised at the ending. I won't spoil it now. <laughs> I was surprised at the ending because it kind of just made everything not so worth it. It was a, in my opinion, it was a weak ending. It it made things. I don't know. It's just something something about this film fell flat and I'm trying to like process my thoughts right now about why I didn't like this movie and I can't really pinpoint it. I'm just saying that I was disappointed. Maybe I was maybe my expectations were too high or maybe I was just expecting something different. Um like I said there there were good aspects for a movie like the um the relationship and the um the way they dealt with depression. And I don't know. I just wish I got a little bit more out of this film. This is a film I'll probably never watch again. So, and I'm okay with that. But like I said, a lot of people love this film. A lot of my friends enjoyed this film thoroughly. Uh, maybe I'm just not a, a horror buff. Or I don't like horror movies enough to appreciate these type of horror movies. Um, I don't know. That's it. Maybe maybe I'll watch The Conjuring 2 and tell you if I like that one or not. Maybe I'll watch Annabelle Creation because those also got pretty good reviews. And, you know, we'll see if I hate on all those movies. All right. I think that's enough out of me for now. Thank you for tuning in. This is The Recap with Rob. My name is Rob. And uh, this has been a Popcorn and Pop Culture podcast production. I keep on adding words to the title, I feel like. Um, you can check us out on any uh, podcasting applications for your phone. We are on iTunes, I believe. <laughs> we also have a WordPress blog, and that's where all of our episodes are posted. So I, I actually talked to my good buddy, Mike Sheehan, who I do the Popcorn and Pop Culture podcast with. And we're going to try to get together within the next month to do our year-end you know, countdowns or lists and just have a great big discussion about movies, TV, maybe even music. And uh, so, yes, please look forward to that because not going to lie, I miss them. I miss having a conversation with someone instead of me just ranting about the things that I've watched. But anyway, thank you and uh, catch you next time. Peace. Peace.